You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. We're covering two two parables about prayer today. Um, Good news is that we don't have to, uh, you don't have to worry about Peshat, Ramez, Drosh, Sod. Uh, we're not digging in too deep on that today. Um, I'll make mention of some of the things. We'll, we'll pull apart some of that maybe in footnotes this week. Uh, but that's, it, it, we're going to stay a little bit more surface level today with these. A um, couple of reasons for that. But one thing we are going to do, and I want to introduce, is this concept, let's go flip to that next slide, let's, this concept of kal vachomer. That's a fun one to say. There's lots of phlegm involved in that. Kal vachomer, which translates to how much more. Now, this is a teaching technique that Jesus used, um, and we see Paul use it also a lot. Uh, we just finished up doing uh, Romans for LTG, and he uses it in Romans quite often. You probably caught those words, how much more. He said those a couple of times in Romans if you were doing those. Um, so keep that in mind, this how much more. It's, uh, it's this, this idea of creating a comparison, and we're going to see that play out in these parables today. Uh, so that we're just going to dive right in here. This first parable comes out of Luke 11. <clears throat> and in the first, uh, the first four verses of Luke 11, the disciples ask Jesus, they ask him, they say, Jesus, how do we pray? John's disciples, you know, they, they've been taught how to pray by John. So Jesus, how do you want us to pray? And Jesus then gives them the Lord's prayer, which is a good prayer. It's a solid place to start. But because it's Jesus and he's, you know, Jesus, he goes a little further, right? And he gives them this parable. So we pick it up in verse five. It says, and he said to them, which of you has a friend who will go to him? Which of you has a friend uh, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. Stop irritating me. So Jesus is starting off by asking, he's creating this hypothetical situation here. You can leave it up there. Uh, He's creating this hypothetical situation there uh, of of this this person. uh, You are going to ask your neighbor, because you go to the closest door, right? And be like, hey, I had a guest show up and... I don't have enough Pepsi in the fridge, and they really need their Pepsi, so do you, do you have any? And it's at midnight, right? A couple of things to remember, hospitality is paramount in this culture. Hospitality is huge, and there's a couple of remezes in this, there's a couple of callbacks we'll talk about in footnotes that point us back to stories about hospitality, but we just know that hospitality is huge in their culture, for you to not have any bread, to not be able to feed a guest that comes to your house would be, you, there's a lot of shame involved in that. 
So of course you're going to go, even, even though it's midnight, of course you're going go to go to your neighbor. And Jesus is, is asking this, can you imagine this happening? And can you imagine the response being this? He's asking the people, his disciples, can you imagine the response that you would get this response? And the, you, the, response, the, the answer should be an emphatic no. This response is unthinkable. In modern day, it would be like, um, aside from the Pepsi thing, a little more serious to, get, to put it in our terms would be maybe like there's an, uh, you have an accident on the street, right? And, and you, somebody twists their ankle or breaks their leg or something and, and you don't have your phone. And so you run up to somebody nearby and you say, hey, can I use your phone to call 911? And the person says, no, not right now. My kid's watching a YouTube video, and I don't want to interrupt them. Sorry. That would be an unthinkable response. We have to assume that this person, this friend that you go to at midnight, doesn't really like you very much if this would be their response. Jesus continues, though, and he tells them what would actually happen, what they would expect to happen. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. So he won't do it because he's his friend. He won't do it just out of endearing feelings, even though he won't do it for that. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. This phrase, this impudence, uh, also gets translated as audacity, persistence. I, I don't really care for that translation very much. Uh, we might talk about that in footnotes, maybe. Or I might talk about it here. We'll, we'll get there, maybe. Uh, but there's a, especially in, uh, I think it's audacity in NIV, and there's a little footnote there. And this phrase, yet because of his impudence, can also be translated as yet to preserve his good name. So it's, there's, there's, there's two things going on here. One, you have the audacity to go knock at midnight, Right? Late at night saying, I need these things because I have guests that showed up and I didn't have anything for them. You have, the, you have the chutzpah, the audacity to go do this. But then, yet because of their honor, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. This person is going to give you whatever you need, not because he likes you very much, just to save his good name. See, because keep in mind, the neighbors are hearing this. To use our modern day example, the person on the street, you run up to that person, you're like, can I use your phone? And everybody else that's a little further off is looking at like, of course you can use this phone. And the guy says, no, I'm watching a YouTube video with my kid. And everyone says, that guy's terrible. You're the worst. Right? This is everyone's response. The, the shame of not helping would be... He's gonna, he, just to save his honor, he's going to do that. Because, and, and, and back to the parable here, it's not like you're going to stop. Yes, you went to your closest neighbor, but it's not like you're, well, I got told no, so I'm going to go back to my guest and be like, sorry, I don't have any food. I'm the worst host ever. It's not going to happen. You're going to go to the next neighbor, and you're going to keep on going because your honor's on the line as a host. And so everybody, and, and your neighbors who two doors down is going to say, well, why didn't you go, why'd you come to me instead of him? Well, he said, no. He said, what? 
So he's going to give you whatever you need, even though he might not necessarily be your favorite neighbor. He might not, not for friendliness, but just out of honor and duty. The Greek says to be without shame. To be without shame. He's going to do this to be without shame. So then Jesus continues. He keeps expanding on this. This is our parable. This is the main story. And then he expands on this. He, he jumps into a poem because Jesus was a poet. He says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And, it, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Let's flip to that. That next slide there, I, I, I lined it up so we could see a couple of patterns here in case the emphasis that I put on the words wasn't quite enough. Uh, but here we, we see this A, B, C, A, B, C. We got these ask and ask, seek and seek, knock and knock. And you could even go a little further and say opened and opened if you wanted to. This is a, apparently, this is called step parallelism, uh, which is fun to say. Uh, I got that from Dr. Kenneth Bailey. The man's brilliant. Um, but step parallelism. And there's maybe some stuff that we'll, we'll parse out in footnotes and nerd out over this a little bit, but the, the full breakdown, not necessarily important. Two things that I want you to get out of this. This uh, knocks, this phrase for knocks, uh, this is where we get persistence, the translation that I don't necessarily love earlier on. This idea of persistence, of it, it communicates as one that you keep doing, it's an idea that you're going to keep doing this, which might be like, I'm going to keep going from house to house until, I'm, until I succeed. That might be the case. But it's not like you're just going to keep banging on the same neighbor's door after he said no. Like you're, you're, that's, it's a closed door, so to speak. Pun intended. But the overall message of this section is, don't worry, you will receive. Don't worry, you will receive. And Jesus continues in verse 11. He says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or eel would be another word for it, an unclean animal that they'd throw back in the lake, will give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. Like, those aren't even close. Apparently, there was a small white scorpion that would curl up in a ball and look like an egg. Uh, there used to be one of those. So you could pass it off and be like, that doesn't look like an egg. Well, no, that does look like an egg until it stings you or something, right? Wouldn't be a good gift. Uh, in Matthew, it says, uh, he, makes, he draws this, this same comparison. He uses two of these in Matthew. And one of them is, uh, asks for bread, we'll give him a stone, which is possibly really appropriate for the Lord's prayer. Like, give us this day our daily stone. Daily bread, perhaps. Um, I think he probably gave all three of these together because he probably gave this teaching. Jesus probably gave this teaching multiple times. I mean, I don't know how many times I've had to heard thing have had to heard things. I don't know how many times I've had to hear things to figure out how to speak properly in English. For example, that might be a case. It takes a little thick to to catch on here. And then he wraps. So he gives these examples of you know you're not going to give somebody this crappy gift. 
Like you, you're not going to give somebody who asks for a fish, you're not going to give them a snake. Be like, here, here's a boa constrictor. It doesn't work that way. So then he wraps it up and he says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, call Vahomer, will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And there's, there's, a pattern here, too, we should point out. If you then, who are evil, the gift giver, knows how to give good gifts to the person who asks, then how much more will the Heavenly Father, the gift giver, give the Holy Spirit, which sounds like a pretty good gift, to those who ask? Like, it's just mm, it's brilliant, brilliant. The nerdery is good. But how much more? Kalvachomer. How much more so? So if, if this, if, to go back to the parable, if your neighbor who will do this out of duty will provide anything you need, how much more will a God that loves you? How much more? In this last section here, God gives good gifts. That's the overall takeaway. For this last section. So we've got, don't worry, you will receive a couple of examples of things that you wouldn't dream of doing, kind of tongue in cheek. And then God gives good gifts. Don't worry, you will receive, God's going to give you good gifts. So I, I find myself asking a couple of things as I, I, as I deliberated this prayerable, if you will, uh, through the week. A couple of questions that popped up in my head from this one is, am I willing to go to God with my wants and my needs? This guy, this guy had the audacity to go knock on the door in the middle of the night. Does God give me bad gifts? That's a question. And lastly, do I expect God to answer my prayers? which takes us into our second prayerable. This comes out of Luke 18. Luke conveniently, in the first verse, he gives us the thesis statement of this parable. It's real clear. It says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. All right. We know what we're supposed to get out of this. We got a very clearly defined roadmap, which I find helpful. Maybe. So Jesus says, he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Now you'll notice I put these in two different colors. It's because there's another pattern here. Jesus is doing a, a kind of a tick-tock. He's going back and forth. We talk about a judge. We talk about the widow. We talk... The next slide, we talk about the judge again. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, subject goes back to the widow, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. I feel like you could have all sorts of... The, the one translation says, so that she will not give me a black eye. Like She's not actually like beating him up. She's just haranguing him. Verbally just 
wearing this guy down to the point where he's physically taking abuse. <laughs> go widow, <laughs> right? So we go back and forth. We go judge, widow, judge, widow. Teaching technique Jesus likes to use in his parables. <clears throat> and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. I cut the verse off early there because the next bit's thrown back. We don't, we don't need that. He's going to give justice to them speedily. A couple things to take note of here in this parable. A little context. The widow is going to court. This tells us something. In that culture, women didn't go to court. A man went to court for them. So the fact that this widow is having to go to court for herself and represent herself means that she is completely destitute and she has nobody. She has no kinsman redeemer. She has nobody. She is completely without any other course of action. This is her last shot. This is all she can rely on. Now the judge, it tells you, there is nothing that lets you shame this man. He, he doesn't fear God and he doesn't respect man. There is nothing that you can say, come on, dude, you're better than, no, he's not better than that. And more so, he knows that because he says it. It's not just everybody knows and says, oh yeah, that guy doesn't respect God, doesn't fear God and doesn't respect man. And he's thinking like, oh, I'm a just. No, this judge knows. He said, I don't, I don't fear God and I don't respect anybody else. Like, nobody's got anything on me. You can't, you can't make me care. He knows it. This guy's the worst. The literal worst of the worst. So we have the dest like the most broken and the most broken in a different fashion in this. It's a very extreme comparison that Jesus is using. And this terrible judge, who's the literal worst, is willing to give an answer, is willing to give a judgment. How much more should I expect God to answer? So he says, and will not God give justice to his elect? Call Vahomer. How much more will God give justice to his elect? Call Vahomer. How much more will God speedily give justice, give an answer to those who ask? Do I expect God to answer my prayers? Brings us to our implications. Let's <clears throat> talk about the things that we've pulled out of here. The first one is that you should have fearless audacity in how you come to God in prayer. That's what we see in that first parable. It's shameless audacity, like just, nope, I gotta, there, I have guests and I need to go find whatever I need to provide for them. Do you have fearless audacity? Shameless audacity? 
in coming to God to prayer? Maybe a question to ask yourself would be, am I too anxious to ask God for something? This comes out in in the back of my mind is like, what if he says no? I don't want to ask, he might tell me no. Or what if he just doesn't answer? That's the one that gets me. Like, I don't want to ask because he's just going to ignore me. Oof. I didn't get filleted this week by these parables. It's fine. We're fine. Maybe another question that you might ask yourself is, am I too proud to ask God for something? Like, what's stopping you to have, from having this fearless audacity to come to God in prayer? Am I too proud to ask God for something? See, I think I, I, I had a thought this week that we've become... Like this parable doesn't really, initially we're like, why is this guy going and asking him at midnight? Their stores weren't open 24-7 back then. Like I think for, for a lot of us, just having the audacity to go knock on somebody's door, for a lot of us, is maybe something that's becoming less and less. Like people become less and less comfortable with that. A lot of people don't even want to have their cell phone on not vibrate now because somebody might notice that someone's calling me, right? And, and we're, we're self-reliant. Am I too proud to ask for help? If I'm, if I'm trying to, if somebody shows up to my house and I need to get some Pepsi for them, I'm not going to go to my neighbor, even though my neighbor loves me. And if she had Pepsi, she'd give it to me. My neighbor loves me. She's the best. But I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go down the street to the convenience store that's open 24-7. I'm not going to ask. So I'm not going to inconvenience somebody, which is pride. I'm going to go to this store. Now, I remember growing up in Hagerman, the stores closed really early. So there was a couple of times where mom was making a pie late at night. And we had to run down to grandma's to get some tapioca. Because she was like, oh, I don't have tapioca. And I'm halfway through this pie. Like, this is a problem. We need tapioca stat. (laughs) right? Do you have this fearless audacity? Maybe the last one is, do you not feel worthy to ask? Like, uh, I don't, I don't need to go to God in prayer because I'm not, he shouldn't answer my prayers. Our next implication is you can expect God to answer your prayers. It's pretty clear in that parable. Now, I'll give you the caveat. It might not be the answer you want. But you will get an answer. And sometimes, like, I, I get it. Sometimes the, the answer is hard to understand. Like, is this the answer? Like, once again, the thick part. Like, it takes a while for me to figure out what the heck he's trying to say. But God's going to answer it. it might, and it might be a wait. That might be the answer. But God's going to answer the prayer. And we can have faith in that. Third implication. Repeated prayer separates want from need. Now this one, this one is a little, little buried, but bear with me here. See, I think in this, this persistent widow, like what is, 
What is, why is she asking? Like, she's desperate. She desperately needs judgment. It's probably someone's taken advantage of her and is stopping her from getting whatever she needs to survive, perhaps. In my mind, that's how this plays out. She's like, I got no other course of action, but I need this judge to tell me, yeah, you get that settlement. Right? <clears throat> Repeated prayer separates the wants from the needs. I, I think that the maybe the maybe the way to imagine what I'm what I'm what I'm thinking here is imagine a kid at a at a checkout stand in a supermarket, right? Like a three-year-old. It's probably the prime age for this. Two, three. They see a candy bar. They're like, I want that. And they tell you, they're like, hey. Mom, can I have that? I want this. They grab it. They're all about it. And the mom says, no. And what happens? Nuclear meltdown. You've seen this. You've probably experienced this with a kid if you've had kids. Uh, I know I never did that. For sure not. Uh, I actually don't remember doing that, but I probably did. I think this is every kid. In, like every kid is selfish and desperately wants and you see it and you're like, I need that. And they say that I need it, right? Do they remember that candy bar a month later? Probably not. Do they remember it like three hours later? Probably not. The next shiny object is in front of their head and so they, they forget about it, right? In the moment they wanted it, they really wanted it. Now I'm gonna compare that to me as a kid wanting a drum set. That was on my Christmas list for like 10 years. Christmas, birthday, I knew it was a Tama. It started off as like a cheapo, like first act. And then I was like, wait, no, I want a real drum set. And it like upgraded and it was a Tama Rockstar Custom and it was red. And Zildjian cymbals, I could tell you everything about it. And I never forgot about that. I was always looking like, oh, they're on sale. It's March. My birthday's in February. They're on sale. Hey, mom, they're on sale. Just in case Christmas is coming. Now, was the drum set a need? I don't know. But the consistency, like the consistency, this was not just a brief, I wanted a candy bar. This was a, Logan wanted a drum set for years and years and years. And when I finally got one, oh man, it wasn't in my house. That's a different story. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> but I had the digital, the electronic one. But that wasn't the same. I wanted that real drum set. I still have it. It's the one that we drag around to anything that we're using drums for. Like that's... This, this consistency, repeated prayer to God separates the want from the need. And you're saying, God, I really want this. God, I really want this. God, I really need this. God, I need this. And I think there's a couple of things that happen here. Either one, you realize, oh, I don't really want that. Two, you get it because God answers the prayer probably quickly, according to this parable. Or you start to learn that what you're asking for needs to shift a little bit. Or the timing's not right, and you start to understand that, but because you're repeatedly coming to God in prayer in this, he clarifies this for you. And you start to understand this, and your desires start to align with his desires, 
And that want and the need become separated. And God shows you what you need, and you realize that you just wanted this. Or, or maybe they are, they are the same thing. But repeated prayer, persistence in prayer separates these. It's not a call to badger God. It is a call to be persistent until you get an answer and until you understand that answer. Our last implication is God gives good gifts. Ugh, I hate this one. This is my least favorite this week. And I knew, I knew, this was the first one that like, it slapped me in the face. I knew I was gonna have to talk about this. I don't like this. Because I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Mission Ridge has had a couple of road bumps. There's been, a, there's been a couple of things that have gone on. And so I don't like ever since, but even before that, I got into ministry and I was over, overworked and underpaid and underappreciated. And, and like, I, I was like, all right, God, I'm going to go into ministry. And immediately it was just like, really? This is what it, whew. This is not fun. I don't like this. You keep going and you keep going. And there's good stuff. Like I got, I'm going to call it a good gift. I got a good gift this week in the form of a text message from an old volunteer who had a conversation with an old student and was like just out of the blue. I'm laying there on like Thursday. I think it was Thursday morning I got this. She was up way too early. And think about that. Anyway, uh, so I got this message and was like, hey, like this conversation with this person really, like you had a huge impact. And I was like, oh, that's what I needed. I, I didn't know how much I needed that. Like, I'm going to take that as a good gift and that maybe I'm just like latching on to like, I'm going to take what I can get. But right, like, especially with this, like, do I expect God to give me good gifts? Because a lot of times it feels like I'm looking around and we just got through like two years of global pandemic and people being sick and people being gone and leases being broken and all sorts of stuff that really kind of sucks, if I'm being honest. I'm looking around like, "Eh, this doesn't feel like, this kind of feels like a scorpion not an egg. I like eggs. I don't like scorpions. They're fine in like nature documentaries. I don't, I don't want them in my hand. This feels a little scorpion-ish. But this parable tells me that God gives good gifts. So I got like it, it makes me wrestle with this. And I, I, don't have, I don't have resolution. I'd love to be able to, and, and I figured it out. No, no, I didn't. I'm going to get to continue to wrestle with this. Like, do I think that God gives me good gifts or does he give me crappy gifts? Is that what I believe? Is that what I expect him to give me? Just deal me a terrible hand. It's a 2-7 offsuit all the time. It's not fun. But I'm not going to solve these parables for you today. Because parables are meant to be wrestled with in community. It's a thing. And we say wrestled probably too much. And I don't know if it always connects. Um, these are meant to be debated. They're meant to be 
Parables are meant to be debated with, with other people, and sat down and said, this is what I think, this is what I see, this is what I see. And we're supposed to debate these like the color of some dress on the internet that we can't figure out if it's blue or gold or white or what, I can't even remember what the thing was. Or whether or not Boba Fett is a good show. It is. Concur. We might be the only two, but we're going to go down swinging. I've loved every minute of it. They're supposed to be argued over. They're supposed to be, you're supposed to be going through these parables and you you got your Bible there and you're pointing at your Bible with vigor and you're saying, this is what it says. And you're getting excited and you're getting a little worked up and hot and bothered under the collar about your excitement for the word of God. That's what these parables should get out of us. It's ironic because we did not mean this. I sure as heck did not mean this. I randomly put I randomly put a bull logo up there. I just wanted to make the pun. Really, this works. Like, you're supposed to be going after these. You're supposed to be button heads on these parables and saying, this is, this is the deeper meaning here. This is what God is communicating with. And you're supposed to be doing this with other people. So you can't just listen to these and say, well, oh, yeah, that's nifty. It's a good story. No, you got to wrestle with them and then let that apply to your life. So let's talk about some discipleship conversation starters. I'm, I'm, I'm calling them conversation starters because this is, this, this is just like, it's going to get the ball rolling or it's going to pull the pin and get the ball rolling, one or the other. Um, so first one. Do you expect God to give you crappy gifts? That one would get a great conversation going with me. That one, I, I just know for myself, like that, that's going to that's gonna stir a good conversation. Are you really willing to go to God with your wants and your needs? So you sit down with somebody and you're having a, like, can you sit, sit down at coffee and like start off the conversation? This way, like, how's your week going? Oh, it's been good. All right. Are you really willing to go to God with your wants and needs? I feel like growth could occur. Either that or people will run away screaming, one or the other. Third one here, where do you need God to show up in your life right now? It's a little more accessible, maybe. Now, I will say, you can't ask these and not expect to answer them yourself. So like, it's not like, like everybody gets rained on with these. That's a thing. Where is God telling you no right now? I don't like this one either. I don't. This one's uncomfortable sometimes. Where is God telling you no right now or wait right now what prayers does it what does it feel like god's not answering those prayers right now it's going to start a good discipleship conversation these are all kind of a little bit what i would call more mature conversations probably this last one what gets in the way of you praying That's a good one to have with any, uh, to use our discipleship wheel, any spiritual age. 
Are you, are, are you able to pray? And what's getting, in, what's getting in the way of that right now? Let's have a talk about that. Let's wrestle about that in our care group. I think, I'm pretty sure these are the care group questions this week, so I apologize in advance. Remember that you love each other. <laughs> but wrestle over them. Wrestle over these things. Because if it's good to dig into these parables by yourself, if it's good to dig into them by yourself, then how much more good would it be to dig into them with others? See what I did there? A little calva homer. So hard to say. So hard to say. Work that in at the end. What would it look like to wrestle with these with others? Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.